This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Back of the Nest Match Preview Podcast www.backofthenest.com Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Back of the Nest Preview Podcast. I'm your host, Terence Ford, along with Albert Kearney and Sam Heskiff. We are back in your ears for another season on the Crystal Palace roller coaster. Climb on, strap in, and enjoy the ride with the greatest football team in the world. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. I mean, I wrote that intro prior to the transfer window closing. Um, so it's a little bit more upbeat than perhaps I maybe intended. But anyway, it's season 2019-2020 and we're back again. And I actually have Sam Heskiff sat in my living room. It's very weird doing this within the same the same vicinity, but... um. I'm looking at him now and I'm expecting him to say hello. So I'll just wait till you put your mic on mute and then I'll take my mic off mute. This is how professional the new season is going to be. Uh, it's a lovely front room. Um, I've got a beer, which is very nice, which my wife actually bought me because I came to Terry's flat with the keys to the place that we're staying in. So she had to get a cab to Terry's house to get the keys, but bought me beer. So shout out Vanessa. Shout out to Vanessa indeed. And... Um... Albert, your summer's been kind of taken up by your wife doing something probably more important than you've done over the summer. What? Cleaning? <laughs> because she hasn't. No. That... <laughs> I think there's a reason for that. Isn't oh, yeah, there? yeah. We've got our second child, Bernie, is 12 weeks old on Monday. So busy times. Quite happy you didn't call it Wilf. Uh, it was on the list. I'm not going to lie. It was on the list. Uh, it wouldn't have stopped me, I don't think, even if I knew he was going, because it wasn't necessarily after Wilf Saha, but it was more of a middle name. But I just thought, don't be a cliche. Um, go with something else. But um, unfortunately, we did um, middle name him Wambisaka. So I did it <laughs> like an idiot. Uh, I was assuming it was going to be Bernie the Hornet. 
get out. <laughs> can we just drop that now? Because people will think that I'm breeding Watford fans, and I can I can assure you I'm not. <laughs> oh well, yeah. So congratulations anyway, and um, congratulations to Sam as well, who will be moving into his new house next week. I've moved into mine, so it's all been changed over the summer. We've lost the lovely Billiam, of course, but we've gained a Samantha today who was producing in the background. So thank you to everyone there. And well, I think the natural place to start for us is the transfer window. It was obviously closed uh, just before time of recording. Um, big rumours of Zaha leaving, handed in a transfer request, something that we believed he'd never do. But he's um, he did it and it's got really messy, hasn't it, Heskiff? Um, how are you feeling? Are you raging? Well... When, when the news come in that he'd put the transfer request in, I felt like I'd been dumped, which is pretty <laughs> rough because that hasn't happened in a while. <laughs> Wouldn't know, mate. Also, shout out Vanessa again. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I didn't think he would do it. Obviously, we know he wants to leave and he wants European football and all that. But I definitely didn't think that he'd put a transfer request in and it was really disappointing. And especially the timing of it, um, you know, it never would have felt nice for him to do it, but to do it twenty four hours before the before the window closed just was a bit of a bit of a dick move. I think I wasn't happy with him doing it. It's pretty disappointing. Um, I'm sure there's a lot of agents and probably brothers in play, but he still, you know, he still had to sign it off, I suppose, didn't he? So yeah, not not a great um, not a great start to the beginning of the season, really. Mm, Albert, he um, he's. <laughs> Temper. He has he has a short fuse. It's got slightly longer, I guess, as he's got a little bit older, but it's still there. And do you think um, this gentleman's agreement that apparently they had that if a, a reasonable offer, whatever that means, came in, they'd let him go? Do you think he's just got a bit upset about that and he's thrown his toys out the pram as he has a tendency to do and um, it's something he's going to regret in a couple of days? Uh, well, it's such a complex issue. I mean, a gentleman's agreement, uh, you know, what does that mean? You know, it's such a subjective thing. A reasonable offer, his idea of a reasonable offer and Steve Parrish's idea of a reasonable offer, you know, could, it could be two completely different things. And it turns out they are two completely different things. And that's why you have things agreed, you know, on paper, you know, like a release clause. And it's not like he's three years into a five-year deal and, you know, there's no clause and a decent offers come in. You know, he's only, he only signed a contract last year. So, you know, he's, he's been, him and his agent have been a bit naive in not getting that written down, you know, in, in black and white, because again, a gentleman's agreement, whatever you want to call it, reasonable offer is such an airy fairy term. Um, and yeah, Steve Parrish has been very clear about what he considers a, a reasonable offer. And we didn't, we didn't receive one. I mean, I think if, if he'd handed in a transfer request two weeks ago and somebody had offered, had offered us 65, 70 million quid, I'm, I'm sure we would have taken it just to, you know, to resolve the issue and, and not sit on a player who could be garnering sort of resentment towards the club. But as it was, it was less than 24 hours to go. What the hell are we going to do with any amount of money that we got? So, the you know, the club, the club had no choice really, and it's sad that it sort of got to this. And all right, he's going to be with us another six months at least. Um, but who, you know, who knows what his mentality is going to be like? Yada yada yada. Um, so it's sort of going to drag out a little bit. But yeah, it's it's a nasty end. Um, but you know, every everybody's probably feels they're in the right. Yeah, I, f I feel like for Wilf now, it's the onus is kind of on him. He's worth more to us than he is to the market and he needs to make himself worth the value that he is to us to earn a transfer away, basically. If he wants one of those big clubs to come in for him, he needs to put up the sort of numbers which are going to draw that sort of attention that would demand an 80 million plus fee. He needs to score you know, 15 goals in a season or assist 15 times in a season or whatever. Now, of course, we all know as Palace fans, his numbers deflated somewhat. Um says so many times he doesn't get credited with assists where he's basically created the goal and, and all of that. But, you know, he needs to score more goals to earn that sort of money and become worth what he is to us, to everyone else. And in until that happens, um, he's he's going to struggle to get that move away, um, particularly with Chelsea out the game where I think, you know, 
it's probably the the natural move would have been Chelsea with them losing Hazard this season. But obviously with their transfer ban, they've been unable to to buy him. And, you know, every everything makes sense about that move in terms of, you know, he doesn't have a, to any upheaval in his life. He can just remain living in Ron Nose's old house and uh, carry on doing what he's doing. So, um, but now I'll stick with you, Albert. What, what does he... What does he have to do now? Does he have to come out and apologise to the fans, or does he just let it do the talking on the pitch? I don't think I don't think he a will, and I don't think he needs to come out and apologise to the fans because I think, as Roy's alluded to, his issue seems to be with the board or the chairman or a combination of of the two. Um, he doesn't strike me. I mean, I listen. I'd be very very. I'd be, I mean, I was upset that he handed in a transfer request, but I could kind of see where he was coming from because, you know, if your heart's set on a move away and a club, you know, the club isn't accepting any offers, you know, a lot to do with how much money we need to pay United and his loyalty bonus, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I'd be disappointed if he then shows a downturn in form and effort and attitude. I don't think he will. He doesn't strike me as the type to do that. Um, and like you say, he he needs to... He needs to sort of justify a price tag that someone's maybe willing to pay in January. So it's it's in everyone's interest, including his own, maybe more than anybody, to you know pull the socks up and get on with it and do what he does best, and maybe even do it a bit better. Now people have been likening um, a potential move away. Obviously, it didn't happen in the end, but uh, Ian Wright leaving for Arsenal um, in a and then eventually stropping and kissing the Arsenal badge in front of the fans and stuff. And um, Ian Wright's kind of propped up in Crystal Palace news feeds all over the place with his, um, him getting upset over Koscielny's uh, move to Bordeaux, in which Darren um, announcing videos saw Koscielny uh, remove his Arsenal shirt and he was wearing a Bordeaux shirt underneath. But a very pointed grimace on his face as he removed the Arsenal shirt before a big grin on his face as he revealed the Bordeaux shirt. And Ian Wright on Twitter said, this hurts. The levels of disrespect. You should be ashamed for the way you left the club after nine years. Got what you wanted and still trying to have a dig. Hope it's worth it in the long run. Uh, Heskiff, is anything strike you this strike you this about being ironic? Yeah, just a little bit. Um, I, th- I think the video, the Koscielny reveal video is really funny, actually. So um, the, the local team to where my mum's from is Bordeaux. So... I was all over that. I thought it was quite good banter. But yeah, with Ian Wright talking about loyalty and, you know, being the bigger man and all that is pretty laughable. I mean, we all know his his sort of history with us. And I was pretty young at the time. Uh, I mean, I started going in 1990. But even at the time, I remember that I, I thought it was a bit off. Um, and I know the people who used to take me when I was younger absolutely hated him for doing that. But, you know, he always sort of pops up with a voice. And, you know, I don't hate Ian Wright. But to, to see him sort of have a, have a dig at someone for sort of knocking knocking a team that they used to play for is a, is a little bit rich, to be honest. Can I right. make a defence? Of course. Well, I just I feel it's worth mentioning that, you know, Ian Wright has said, you know, he's, he's met... And I, listen, I wasn't there. I was too young to, to you know, I was, again, like Sam... I was going in 1990. I knew who Ian Wright was. He scored in my first game there, but wasn't necessarily privy to the ins and outs of him leaving. But, you know, Ian Wright will will go on record and say that, the A, he sort of regrets the kissing of the badge and all that, and that it was kind of in response to some dog's abuse that he was getting and his mum was getting, and it was aimed at, you know, a certain section of, of the support, which, you know, if that's true, you know, if you're going to give it, you've got to take it a little bit as well. Certainly. Um, I think, you know, someone's a Palace fan somewhere who's out there, maybe listening to this podcast, you know, it's you um, went and sprayed the words Judas on his mum's house. So, um, yeah, you can certainly see why he got emotional. And I don't think it's quite the same because, you know, Ian Wright certainly didn't push for a move to Arsenal. It just he was told he's going to Arsenal. So I think it's a bit different in that sense. But, um, you know, tenuous links and all that. I need to try and get it in there somehow. <laughs> um, we have a new feature this season where um, you're going to be able to send us uh, messages via WhatsApp, ideally uh, voice clips, which we can play on the show. So the number for that is 0203 575 1266. 
and um, you can add that on WhatsApp and send us send us voice notes, and uh, we're going to play you. No one farts, now. please. No, no farts, and and uh, you know, I, I I understand maybe people's reservations about doing this because we will have your phone numbers. We promise we will not let Albert drunk message you at two o'clock in the morning. But um, yeah, so let's uh, listen to free. Our, <laughs> let's listen to our first clip of the season. So I attempted not to rant at the end of this window, but how? after losing one of our big money assets early in the window where United have almost done us a favour by fronting up the cash for Wan-Bissaka. Have we, won? not replaced him, not with a 30, 40 million pound right back, but with any right back, and then managed to upset over a gentleman's agreement, whatever we might think about that, upset our best player possibly in history so that he's getting sent home from training. The strategy from top to bottom is pathetic at this club uh, and I've, I've had enough of it there we are so strong words there on our our first Roy Hodgson there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so uh, I mean obviously we've kept Zaha and all that and we've already touched on what happens now with Zaha but I think the pertinent point there is you know we got the one Bissaka money early and we knew that we lost the right back and we are now stuck in this situation where we've regressed back to Joel Ward. Um, and that's not a knock at Joel Ward. You know, I, I fully respect everything he's done for the club. But, you know, Steve Parrish is signing off letters that get sent out to season ticket holders saying that they're, um, you know, dedicated to pushing the club forward. And, you know, us ending up with Joel Ward at right back again is is not an ideal situation. And um, Heskiff, it's, it's negligent, really, that, We've got, we've lost our right back that early. Know that we're very short in the fullback position as it is, and um, we haven't managed to get one over the line. Yeah, I completely agree. And and the the voice clip that you played there is um, is from Matt Wilkes, who I who I know, and we agree on a lot of things. And I thoroughly agree with what he said on that. You know, my issue. I'll I'll also try and not devolve into a rant, but my, the issue that I have is there never seems to be a plan set out for what positions we're getting, how we're going to go and do it um, so that we bed them in and we get the new players we want. And if we don't get the first choice target, then we've got plenty of other options. Like you said, you know, we got Wan-Bissaka sold very early on. Um, I assumed that we were doing it because we knew we'd have a replacement coming in. That hasn't happened. Um, Similarly, when we let Sirlock go on loan, I'm not Sirlock's biggest fan by any means, but I just assumed if we're letting a striker go, then we'll have someone come in. That hasn't happened. And, you know, what What sort of riles me the most is that the plan every year just seems to be don't let Wilf go. Let's just keep Wilf. And, you know, it, the, the, the gaps that we have, so we need cover at fullback. We've needed another striker for two years, three years. These gaps are still there. Great that we've got in Camarasa, who I think is going to be really good. McCarthy, Everton fans seem to really like him, but injury prone. Cahill is probably a good player, but hasn't played basically all season. And we've got, you know, well, a third choice goalie. So, you know, whatever with that. But my, my issue is the planning does not seem to be there. And every year and every window, we say the same thing. And in the summer, we say, well, we've got money to spend in January. And then in January, we don't buy anyone. And the line is that, you know, everyone's at a premium. Let's get it in the summer. And, you know, I I, I don't want to keep saying the same thing over and over again. But every year, it seems to be the same. And people say, you know, support the club. And if you don't like it, go and support someone else. And as, as everyone knows, um, much like Terence, much like most of us, you know, I go to all these games, I travel up and down the country to watch Palace and I support them wholeheartedly. I never boo, I never give them abuse. I just want them to do well and I think that we're treading water and I'm worried that eventually it will come to bite us in the backside and we won't be able to come back from it and I'm worried really after this window that now might be the time that that happens without wanting to devolve into a rant he said about two minutes 40 seconds <laughs> but um yeah the sentiment's about right and it's you know we, we 
seem to have strengthened in the areas this window where we really didn't need to strengthen. We we have plenty of cover at centre back. We have plenty of um, central midfielders that can can do a job for us. But now we ha- seem to have you know unless we're going to play a formation of three seven zero or something like that. I mean I don't I don't really know what the plan is there. I assume they expected that some people might be on their way out and. You know, we never appear to be a selling club of any kind. We seem to just hog all of our players until their contracts run out or they get too old and then seem to let them go. And, you know, that scenario might be happening with Luka Milivojevic as we talk with his, you know, going into the last year of his contract and no no new one seeming to be on the table. Uh, but we'll touch on the two players we did sign, Albert. We've got, we've got James McCarthy in midfield. Now, uh, Steve Parrish actually said that I'm glad to finally have gotten him, but I think the best thing about it all was the the Friends Reunited video from the Crystal Palace Twitter account, wasn't it? I thought I dreamt that. <laughs> it was it was there, and then it wasn't there, and it was so surreal, so weird, and ultimately shit. Uh, I w- I doubted its own existence until somebody managed to dig it out again and and repost it everywhere. I'd like to think that it was intentionally bad, but there was a bit of a grey area where it, somebody might have thought that was actually good. So safety first, get rid of it. Yeah, well, I think um, I, I thought that it was an over-elaborate joke and they knew it was bad because then when they released the James MacArthur, doing, I'm already confusing it, James MacArthur doing the VAR and then deleted it. I was like, oh, well, they've obviously done this as an over-elaborate joke. But then um, during the Victor Camarasa interview, there was a clip of him also doing the VAR sign. So it's clearly something they've got them all to do this season for for whatever purpose. So, um, yeah, I, th- I, <laughs> I think Chris, I think it was Chris Grierson's idea by looking at social media going through it. And um, I think they very quickly realised that how awful it was, although that <laughs> that clip of... James MacArthur just going, yes, is I think that's going to be used over and over by Palace fans. So, but I'd being... seen that already. Wasn't that released on a behind the scenes video as well? I've definitely seen that from like a, a another angle. Him in front of the green screen doing that, and even then, it's bad. Let alone in yeah. that context. I don't know because he's in a new kit, so I don't. I I don't know. They might have done it again. But I mean, you know, James James MacArthur's always out for a laugh, isn't he? I mean, that supermarket sweep they did in the club shop, he was absolutely loving it. He got in, got into character and everything, so he's he's obviously game for a laugh. Um, but you know, James McCarthy will probably, um, if he can stay fit, I think he'll end up being a bargain. But it's a, it's a humongous if he stays fit because he's you know barely kicked a football for the last three years. Um, you know, I actually thought it was some sort of ligament problems, but to, it was a broken leg that actually done it. So you never know. It could be something that he recovers from. He just needs, you know, sometimes players, a change of scenery does the world a good for them. And that's what we've got hope for. And what I hope is that by bringing Cahill in and bringing McCarthy in, we did lack a lot of bottle last season. Um you think opening minutes of the Brighton game at Sellers Park when Knockhart left one on Milivojevic, who's supposed to be tough, hard Serbian captain. He disappeared for the rest of the game. So I'm hoping that he's identified that we actually need a bit more steel in there and someone who's going to, you know, kick lumps out of people. And I think um, McCarthy ticks that box. So hopefully he can stay fit and do some sort of job for us. But we can get excited about Victor Camarasa, I think. Um, Husky, if you were talking about the players to me earlier that he, the team, sorry, he scored against last season. Yeah, so um, I was looking. He scored five goals last year, um, including a absolute worldie against Leicester. But he also scored against Arsenal, Man U, and Chelsea, um, which is pretty good for a team like Cardiff, who are obviously fighting and struggling quite a bit to, to pop up and get goals against the, the bigger teams. Um, is you know, is a good sign, I think, because. Like we said, with with issues up front and with you know not being able to break teams down at home, having a midfielder that's able to pop up and score goals in, in important moments in you know big games, I think is a is a is a really good facet to have. And apparently, so I was reading his set pieces are brilliant too. So we might have a corner that misses the first man now. We've not had one of those since Ben Watson, have we? <laughs> um, so in summing up the transfer window, I, I think we can say it's keeping Wilf is 
maybe less of a good thing this time around than it has been in the past. But, um, you know, I don't think he's going to shy away, as Albert touched on earlier, from his responsibilities on the field. And he's still going to, you know, do, do a job for us. And hopefully um, it will all be forgotten by the time sort of October comes around. Uh, I think we've strengthened probably where we didn't need to. And um, I genuinely think that we're in the right positions, an injury or two away from absolute crisis. But, you know, that's at fullback. And the last time we had an injury crisis at fullback, we unearthed Aaron Wambasaka. So you never know. There's a young lad called Mitchell in the youth team who um, already started to stand out in pre-season before he got injured. So you never know. It could end up being a good thing. So we'll end the transfer window talk there and we'll be back after this. So I pretty much think every Crystal Palace fan that is out there um, automatically assumed that when we were selling Wilfred Zaha to Everton that he was going to pop up and score the winner um, at Sellers Park on opening day because, of course, it's Everton that we face. Now, two weeks ago, when we smashed Bristol City 5-0 in a pre-season friendly, the curse that is Ashton Gate, (laughs) somewhere where I've never seen us win and I didn't actually go to this friendly, so still haven't seen us win there. Um, I mean, semantics, I guess we did win the playoff second leg before. (laughs) In 90 minutes, we won it 1-0. But that was quickly tempered by us getting smashed all over the park by Hertha Berlin. Now, 4-0 Hertha Berlin, Heskiff, was was it as bad as the scoreline suggested? I think 4-0 was probably quite flattering in terms of what they produced on goal. Um, two deflected shots and a penalty. Um, and as you and I were discussing before we started recording, quite what Wayne Hennessy was doing, giving away that penalty, just sort of <laughs> flopped. Uh, flopped in front of the bloke and asked him to please fall over and get a penalty. Um, and, you know, the first half we were all right. I don't think we were brilliant, but we weren't terrible and Herford didn't really do anything. Um, but again, it sort of highlighted the issues that we have in that we had a couple of chances and didn't take them. And they went one new up and then our defence, which I'm really worried about being the defence starting against Everton, just sort of went to pot, really. Um, And, all right, Herford scored some sort of jammy goals, but, you know, they they were getting in more positions than than they should have been. And I think think the the, the 5-0 against Bristol City was great, and I'm really happy that, you know, Connor Wickham scored and Max Meyer looked brilliant and all the rest of it. But then to lose 4-0, even if it was a little bit flattering, um, is still quite a sort of red red flag and and I thought you know it will be the the impetus to to push on and get those get those players that we need which obviously hasn't really happened so not a great way to finish pre-season especially since we haven't sort of made the most of the defeat if you know what I mean I'm just saying that in the promotion season we lost 5-0 at Crawley and went and signed Jimmy Kebe Jerome Thomas (laughs) and Elliot Grandin so um Maybe not all that bad. Um, Albert, I don't know how much of pre-season you've caught, um, but you know, you, you've got to look at outside of the Bristol City result, everything was pretty shoddy. And um, do, you, do you have reservations for the upcoming season? Yeah, there's, res- there's definitely reservations. I think, I don't know, there's definitely, it's the, you know, it's the big assumption and it's not something that I like saying, but I can certainly see a few teams that, should struggle before we do, especially now we've kept Wilf, assuming all goes well there. Um, like you say, we've strengthened, but not necessarily where we needed to do it vitally. Um, I just think we need, we can't be doing, and you know, it's the same every year. We can't be doing this slow start, languishing in the in and around the bottom three at Christmas and then rely on a, you know, a turnaround in the new year um, up until sort of May time. You know, especially when we're you know we're all sort of kind of expecting Zaha to go in January. I don't know. Um, you know, we've got a fairly fairly sort of kind you know first handful of games, with the odd exception. Um, we need to get off to a flyer and and get points on the board because 
yeah, a few injuries in key positions, especially up top, then, you know, we're, we're struggling. Um, and I think furthermore, if, if, if there is a deal to be done for Zaha in January, I'm sure that's, you know, in the backs of the mind of the board, we, we sort of mentally need to be spending that money now and looking at who we think we could bring in early in January, not at 11 o'clock on January 31st, whatever, you know, we got, we got, we have to plan, we have to plan on the pitch, how we're going to perform, how we're going to get points on the board before Christmas. And we need to plan a bit longer term uh, with what we're going to do in January and possibly beyond because, you know, not being all doom and gloom, I can't see Roy Hodgson being here next summer at the club. Um, So it's, it's a massive 12 months for the club. Mm, It certainly is. My big, my biggest thing is uh, I don't really see where the goals come from. Um, We, we struggled for goals last season. Um, and had a it was a fantastic defence that basically um, kept us in many many games. Uh, Tompkins and Sacco, obviously when they were fit, were a fantastic centre back pairing. Aaron Wamba Sacco is an absolute revelation, and they all bailed out Patrick Van Arnold defensively all the time. But um, not adding a striker seems criminal at this stage. And Connor Wickham's got a couple in pre season, Albert. But can you see? Can you see him genuinely even scoring more than three or four goals this season and actually making any sort of meaningful contribution? He's got to play three or four games, <laughs> you know, let alone score three or four goals. Um, you know, I want and same for Benteke. You know, I want them, to, I want them to stay fit and I want them to be on form because we all benefit from it. And there's there's decent players there, but you have to, you know, you can't you can't base future sort of predictions on form on, you know, an imaginary impeccable injury record, which Connor Wickham certainly doesn't have at this club. Um, you know, it's a bit like Charlie Austin going to West Brom. Everyone's saying, oh, if he stays fit, he's going to bang the goals and get him up the league. But it's a, it's a massive if. If he's not on the pitch, he can't score goals. And we, you know, he's, and it's not having a go at him, but he's just not, he's not been someone we can count on. You know, when he, when they, the club made a huge deal of his return last season, and quite rightly, you know, because he came back from a horrific injury and some reported personal problems. But you now a couple of appearances, and he just, he wasn't even on the bench again. You know, for, again for reasons we don't necessarily know about. But you know, you can't if we're pinning our hopes on Connor Wickham. Um, you know, that's a torrid time for the state of the club. Yeah, I agree with Albert, and I think another thing to sort of worry about a little bit is I mean obviously we're going to play Benteke out front as the first choice but the first chance he misses or the first pass he puts astray I think there are people who already have had enough of him and they'll get on his back and the pressure on him to lead the line especially in a team that doesn't play to his strengths I mean we've discussed that quite a lot but Terence and I were talking about about the the Hertha game earlier and um, you know Terence you said that when Andros crossed the ball in the air towards Benteke. You, you know, you jumped up and celebrated almost as much as if he'd scored. And in the same, if you look at Benteke's goal against Bristol City, it was a great cross. It was great movement from Benteke, and he got his head on it. And the pressure on him to deliver 10, 15 goals, whatever it might be, is huge. And I'm a little bit worried that he already has quite a few people getting on his back. Um, and like Albert says, you know, if if he gets injured, then it's down to Connor Wickham. Connor Wickham hasn't played two or three games in a row for two years. Then it's back to Wilf and Andros up front, or maybe Ayu, but Ayu's not a striker. So it again goes back to you, you know, that the plan for the last four or five windows has to be to get another striker in. You can't just keep bringing in loans. You can't, you know, Kevin Doyle's not saving us. Mishy was good, but we knew that he was going back in the summer. We knew that Chelsea had a transfer ban. So I'm just a little worried that, yeah, we're on the precipice with injuries. Same goes with fullbacks, really. Um, and we really need to have thought about that. And we're basically going through this first half of the season hoping for the best. Well, the, the Mishi Batshuayi signing was one that, whilst he, he scored a decent return of goals, and would he get six or seven? And but obviously he scored two of those on a closing day of the season, so that might look a little bit inflated. But what he offered us up the top of the field made us a completely different proposition. And I was astounded when I saw the stat that if the season started when Batshuayi joined us, we would have finished third in the league behind only Liverpool and Manchester City, who obviously blew everyone else away. 
Um, now that is just an astounding stat and that really the board really should have been looking at that going you know we need to go out and buy someone who's going to stick the ball in the back of the net and it also it almost makes it go and spend 35 40 million on someone and because it shows you have someone who can put the ball in the back of the net at the top of the pitch we are a very very good outfit we're quite solid defensively now we've got even more competition in midfield and with Townsend and Zaha you should be able to create goals um now obviously that's falling on Benteke again and one one little thing I'd this might be overanalyzing things but I really enjoyed Benteke scoring that goal and then running off sprinting off and doing a knee slide now he's always been someone who's too cool for school when he scores a goal but maybe it's finally got to the stage now where he's going to you know return to basics and appreciate what scoring a goal is like a little bit more and um yeah really enjoyed that knee slide and I hope I we I think 75 percent upwards of palace fans probably want him to do well i i think has gives right earlier there's people just want him out of the club now and have no interest in supporting him in the slightest but for me you know i i really really want it to be a season where he gets over 10 goals and just you know kind of then whether he gets a move at the end of that or whatever just you know that he he can feel like for himself that he's returned something for the club because I don't think for it, it's been through want of trying. I think it's been, you know, a really difficult time for him with injuries and all of that. And, you know, if, if he's now as fit as, he's, as he looks and he's had a good pre-season under his belt, hopefully this will be the season where he returns to his goal-scoring form. Because if he returns to the guy we signed uh, when we when we got him from Liverpool, then, you know, we've got a striker that is one of the best in the Premier League, especially for the return of a goals-to-game ratio and all of that. So... Fingers crossed. Um, Heskiff, there's obviously going to be no Wilf on Saturday because he's been away at the AFCON. Kiarte uh, is the same. He's been away at the AFCON. So with Tompkins looking like he's out for three to four weeks, Mamadou Sacco didn't make the bench in the last game. So potentially he's out as well. Um, the, the lineup's starting to name itself really, isn't it? It's pretty much the one that started against Hertha Berlin. Yeah, I'm fairly sure. Certainly the defence is going to is going to be as we expect, which is a little worrying because um, they didn't cover themselves in glory really in, in that Berlin game. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, I don't really see what th- there's going to be any surprises. Um, that will mean that Max Meyer starts, which is great because it's something that we were calling for in the pod all of last season. Um, but it's sort of a default team at the moment. Um, I think probably IU will start um, and I did read somewhere that he actually came back to training earlier than he was expected, which is quite a quite a nice thing to read um, because I think quite a few people thought he was a bit of a bit of a miserable bugger. Um, but yeah, like you say, I think it's just a default team. It would be interesting to see who's on the bench because we haven't really got anyone. I suppose the new the new midfielders will probably get on there and a couple of kids, um, and then Gyro can languish in the reserves forever. Yeah, I mean, I'm incredibly surprised that Gyro didn't go out uh, along with, you know, uh, I was expecting to see Scott Dan go out as well, especially with Cahill coming in. But no, there you go. Um, you touched European window is still open. <laughs> yes. Uh, Atletico, he just won't Atletico fit through Atletico Madrid it. are going to be all over Scott Dan. And um, yeah, a, a glorious return to Ajax for Gyro Riedervall is obviously on the cards. Um, replacing the lit at centre-back, I believe <laughs> not the lit what's his name is that right yeah the lit that is right yeah there you go um albert uh Heskiff touched on um max meyer there is this going to be season do you think he's had his year to adapt now um a lot of his instagram stories suggest he's been on a bulking up kind of job get a little bit stronger do you uh, do you feel that he's going to be able to produce to the sort of levels of hype that everyone's got up around him over like a few nice assists over pre-season he has to really, doesn't he? Um, he seems to be the, the focus has shifted on him to be our sort of shining light. And we saw, you know, glimpses of it last season, um, you know, but clearly was struggling to settle into the game, the physicality of it. And it's fair enough, you know, he's, he's a young kid from Germany. You know, if he was so gifted, he could walk into any Premier League team and start dictating the play, he wouldn't have come to Palace. So, 
whilst very happy to sort of let him have that sort of breathing space as 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 frustrating as it was that he seemed to not be getting much game time you know we really we really do need him to sort of kick on this 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 season and and start imposing himself on games a bit more because he's clearly you know he's got the technical ability um the only the 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 struggle I see is how we get the best out of Ben Teke um, with Will Fernandros playing wide and simultaneously get the best out of Max Meyer. But that's that's a problem for the management, not for me. Um, but yeah, listen, he needs to. He's, he's a gifted player, and we need we need all the help we can get. So hopefully, he's a bit stronger, a bit more wise to it, a bit more sort of integrated into the squad. Isn't getting heckled by Wayne Hennessy from the back of the room. Um, and we'll, you know, maybe push up towards getting double figures. But you know, maybe I'm being optimistic. You are being optimistic, maybe. But you can continue. Um, obviously, it's a stab in the dark. First game of the season. Uh, but what what do you think the score is going to be? First prediction of the season. Three uh, one Everton. <laughs> uh, why do I feel like by looking across the room at Heskiff that this is going to be something similar? Yeah, I don't think we'll score two 0 two 0 Everton. Oh wow! Um, mm, I'll I'll go for one-one just to be optimistic. You know, hope, hope that beyond hope that something happens. Um, right after this, we're going to come back and we're going to do what we did last season and make some outrageous predictions for the season. Yeah, if memory serves me correctly, um, at the end of last season, Hesk, if you kind of run away with this by getting the league position correct and uh, being a bit conservative with a few more, um, I, I think I said Wilfred Zaha would score 20 goals. So <laughs> maybe I can control myself this time around. So what we're going to do is we're going to, between the three of us, we're going to predict the top goal scorer, top assist getter, player of the season. Uh, where we'll finish and an outrageous prediction and then we'll open the envelope back up um, on the last preview pod of the season and see how well we did. So I'll start with you, Sam Heskith. Um, who's going to be our top goal scorer and how many are they going to score? So you asked us to prepare this in advance and I <laughs> I did it because I was so angry at the transfer window. Uh, top scorer. Oh God. You know what? Wilf. Wilf. Even if he leaves in January, I reckon Will's going to get nine goals. Albert? Uh, I'm going tactical, especially because of VAR. It's going to be Luca um, with plenty <laughs> of pens. Um, and what did he get? 12 last season? So I think so. I think he got yeah, 10 Yeah, points. I'm going to go 13. 13 for Luca. Okay. Um, I'm going to go Benteke 12, mainly because he steals a couple of penalties off. <laughs> Off of Luka Milivojevic and sucks them away. Um, for top assists... Um, uh, top assist getter, getter, can I just yeah, point assist out? assist getter. Did, did you not enjoy that? <laughs> no, I did. That's why I'm pointing it out again. <laughs> um, I think, wasn't it MacArthur last season kind of like blindsided us all by getting a couple of assists towards the back end of the season? But can't see that happening Riding on a wave of optimism, I'm going to go Max Meyer with six. Hesketh? Um, I reckon, probably because he's going to play every game, I reckon it'll be Andros with eight. Oh, you get. Um, I was going to go Andros. <laughs> I will, but I'll go seven. And you can... Andros with seven. And will those seven assists get him player of the year, Albert? <sighs> Oh, I see what you've done there. You've segued nicely into the next category. Um, player of the season will be... Uh, Christ. Um, I'm going to... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go... I'm going to go Vincente Guaita. Yeah, that's a good shout. Um, I, I was thinking along the same sort of lines. Um, Hesketh? I was also thinking of those lines, but I'll go instead with Luca. Okay, I'm I'm going to go James Tompkins, um, assuming he stays fit. Um, <laughs> outrageous prediction of the season, last season. I'd, um, You've missed out league position. No, we'll we'll get there. We're going to finish on oh, that one. Oh, we're doing the outrage first. Uh, the outrageous ones first, yeah, because 
Well, so, so last season, Heskiff, did you suggest that Hennessy would keep more clean sheets than Guaita? Was your outrageous prediction? Um, I think mine was that we'd have a plus goal. No, was it a plus? Yeah, we'd have a plus goal difference. Yeah, um, I haven't decided yet, so I'll, I'll leave you out, Heskey. If you can go, drop in. My outrageous prediction, which might not seem so outrageous after this transfer window, is that at some point during the season, we're going to play Scott Dan up front. <laughs> Probably against Bournemouth, to be fair, so he can carry on his, his run. Yeah, um, scored three in a row against Bournemouth. Uh, uh, I think that's a, or is it four in a row? It's whatever, it's four in a row and that's a, a record for a centre-back scoring run against a team in Premier League history. Um, Albert, what are you going for? I think last year I went with Connor Wickham to feature in a game, which I was so close to, I mean, I did get it right, but, you know, it was so close to not being right. Uh, outrageous prediction kind of goes against, it goes against my player of the season aspirations, but my outrageous prediction for this season is that Wayne Hennessy will get more appearances than Vicente Guaita. Wow. That's, um, back, that, I mean, that is outrageous as Haskiv has just said across the room at me there. Um, mine's I just don't really know at the moment everything would seem outrageous to suggest anything so um, okay my suggestion will be that James McCarthy will complete 90 minutes on three or more occasions um, which considering he's only managed one in the last (laughs) two seasons I think is pretty out there Um, and now Albert you can tell us where we're going to finish at the end of the season we are going to finish 14th. Is that is that a um, terrible start and then limp to 14th? Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> um, Sam Heskiff? I was flitting between two answers, but seeing as Albert's gone 14th, I'll go for my other option, which is 15th. Um, okay, I'm... Uh, I th- I'm going to go with optimism and say that we'll address our needs in January. Um, another, hopefully a loan of Batshuayi or someone like that. So um, and I, I feel like there's there's a few more Dross teams in the league this season. So by default, I think it's going to be difficult to finish below somewhere like 13th. So I'm, I'm going to plump a little bit higher and I'm going to suggest that we'll finish take a deep breath ninth this season so there we go we we will unpack those on the final preview podcast of the season have a good old laugh at ourselves like we did last season and we will be back after this there are 99 reasons to hate brighton homophobia homophobia doesn't need to be one of them follow us on twitter at proud and palace Right, that's almost your lot for this week. Um, Please head over to iTunes and leave us some five-star ratings on there or all your podcast outlets, whatever you listen to on. And, you know, remember that phone number from earlier, 0203-575-1266. Send us your voice notes, send us your messages, and the best ones throughout the season will be featured on the show. Um, Thank you to Samantha in the background for producing and for Mike, who um, is learning how to produce. Um, quite the hole that Billiam's left on us. Uh, Sam Heskiff, thank you for joining me in my abode and taking your shoes off when you came in. Thanks for inviting me. Uh, And also for levelling it up because Albert and I had a date over the summer and this can be our date. Ah, So, Albert, I think that means me and you need to go on a date now. No, you're right, mate. I don't want to go to Vicarage Road anyway, followed by Weatherspoons on. Oh, you've changed your tune. <laughs> or one of the two Nandos. <laughs> or two Nandos. Yeah, so get, um, check this out. You can come out of Weatherspoons. It doesn't matter how drunk you are. If you turn left, you end up at a Nandos. If you turn right, you eventually end up at a Nandos. That's what I call great town planning. So last season, um, when you turned left out of the Weatherspoons and went to Nandos, what happened? That was the season before. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> was it really? Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't. Um, well, maybe it was this season. 
No, it was this season because the season before we came to your house and did the podcast. Oh, no, it was this season because it was right. It was like one of the first games, wasn't it? Mm. It was the August bank holiday weekend. Uh, what happened? I I did, in fact, go to the wrong Nando's to pick up a collection. Um, that's when I found out there was two Nando's in Watford. <laughs> Ran all the way back to the other one to try and get home for the game in the rain. I'd had to give my tickets away last minute. And the bag was all wet. I don't know if you remember, it was t- torrential rain. And the paper bag just disintegrated and all the food ended up on the floor and I ended up booting a coleslaw across the high street. <laughs> <laughs> and it was a better finish than Benteke can ever wish for. <laughs> right, that's your lot for this week. Um, of course, we will be back next week and um, on Sunday, listen to the review show and all of that jazz. Until next week, up the palace. Talksport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.